This episode of Disney Film Project is brought to you by the letter A, the number three, and touringplans.com. Check out the new optimized touring plans. If you go on your phone and use the Lines application while you're in the parks, the touring plans will update automatically based on the latest data. It's the coolest thing ever. You've got to check it out. Check out the Lines application and the new optimized touring plans over at touringplans.com. They are the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project podcast. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the program where we discuss the films of the Walt Disney Company and all their assorted affiliates and um, whatever else we can decide to come up with. I'm your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, owner and proprietor, blogger over at DisneyFilmProject.com, where we do the same exact thing, except we focus some on the shorts and all sorts of movies. You can catch uh, DVD and Blu-ray reviews, uh, tweet watch information, all kinds of good stuff, so make sure you go check us out over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Providing several of those posts, and as well as all the actual knowledge contained on this show, is my fine friend, Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger over at touringplans.com and chief technical officer at disneydrivenlife.com. How are you, sir? I'm good. Hey, don't forget onthegoingmco.com. And you've been watching lots of movies and reviewing them on our site. Yes, yes, I've been reviewing uh, Blu-rays and stuff like that because we get them and I like to play with all the... I don't actually watch the movie when I review them because I've pretty much always seen the movie so far. But I, I play with all the extras. That's what I sit down and watch. Extras are fun. Yeah, they are. If they're done well. And I'm assuming watching all these extras with you, or perhaps not, perhaps she just has better things to do, like edit this podcast, uh, is our fine producer, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, uh, who you can follow over at Twitter on at CherylP3. You can go to about.me slash CherylP3. And you can even catch her as well writing over it on the go and MCO uh, from time to time. How are you this evening, Miss Cheryl? Don't ask. It's a bad. <laughs> we're having we're having a, a computer burial issues at the Pearlbutter house. It sounds like yes, her MacBook caught fire. We had to kill it. <laughs> it had to be put down. Yes, it did. It was horrible. You did, should have heard the scream. Did it, did it break a leg and you had to shoot it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> very, very, very apropos for this movie. Exactly. I'm trying to stay in the theme. No, no, that's just kidding, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask, and there we go. Um, what was it? Oh, talking about extras. So we're talking about John Carter with our, our friend Dana, who's visiting us this week. And she goes, oh, I haven't seen that. I go, well, since you haven't seen it yet, there's a deleted scene which explains everything. I said, go watch that scene first. Then go watch the movie. You'll be perfect. Yes, there's this like ten minute deleted scene on the John Carter Blu-ray that's like would have made the movie make so much more sense. Like all the Mars stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think that I think that movie could have been so good. Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't bad as it was. No, that's a, that's that's a whole other show. Go listen to the John Carter show. We Indeed. Like that. Uh. Usually on 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 that show you'll hear Miss Brianna Alessio, and usually she will join us. You might have heard her when we were in our Star Wars weekends vacation mode, and you'll probably hear her again a few times before she moves down to Florida. 
But uh, Bree is working her, her little tail off to try and get the cash to move down to Florida, so she won't be joining us tonight, but she's here in spirit. So tonight's film that we are discussing, or th- this morning's, depending, I don't know, I don't know when you're listening. It's up to you. You listen when you want to listen. Who am I to tell you? But anyway, tonight's film that we are discussing is Secretariat, the 2010 Walt Disney Pictures film starring Diane Lane and John Malkovich that talks about the greatest racehorse ever known. Right? Isn't that the general consensus, Mr. Research Man? Uh, yes. I have a lot of stats regarding that. Do we just want to jump right into all that? Get, get, hit the high points. Let me, let, me, let me hear the high points on Secretariat. Okay, so, uh, as you, so look, this is not a spoiler, folks. This happened like 40 years ago. 37 years ago, something like that, right? Um, so exactly. this is this is not a spoiler. That's well outside the spoiler zone. Um, so Secretariat was a racehorse, right? Um, also known as Big Red. Uh, Secretariat was his racing name. Big Red was his um, farm name, basically. Um, he, to this day, holds the unbeaten record for the Triple Crown. Okay? Triple Crown consists of three races. The Preakness, the Belmont, and the Kentucky Derby. Right? Yes. Okay, Ryan, correct me on the sports if I get any of that wrong. Okay? You got it. Um, one of the funny things that I found out is that they do not have an actual official time for the Preakness run because uh, one of the clocks broke, and they had, back then they used to have two or three clocks, and all had to be in sync for the time to count. So I know approximately what it was. Um, that was the, so like I said, it was a Preakness, and it was 153 and two-fifths. Okay, um, and that's kind of sort of roughly the only time that they have to go by. Some people said more, some people said less. But anything under 154 is considered in contention for that particular race, for that record. Um, And technically it's been broken because they don't have an official time for Secretariat at that race. Though he did win, so it counts. Um, There you go. The Kentucky Derby, he still, they still hold to one this day at 159 and two-fifths. Only one other horse has come close to beating that record. Okay? Uh, just three hundredths of a second lower. So, then, uh, so one minute, 59 seconds, and 97 hundredths. So, like, off by three-fifths, basically. Uh, the Belmont Stake also still... The winning, still the overall winner of the Belmont after 37 years. The third race, and that's the final big race scene in the in the movie, is uh, he wins the race in two minutes and 24 seconds. That record still stands after 37 years, and he wins it by a margin of 37 lengths. Now, so 31 lengths is uh, more than 82 yards or 75 meters for those of our friends who are not in the United States. Or Britain, right? Or does Britain use a metric system now? I get so confused. Um, so it's uh, quite the distance. I, as far as I know, no horse has ever won by that far before. So it's not just the shortest time. It's right. the longest distance ever won as well. Yeah, horse race, in horse racing, it, if, if anybody's ever, I'm assuming most people have watched like the Kentucky Derby or something like that. But in horse racing, you never see a horse win by that margin. I mean, it just does not happen. There is, well, it did happen. It did happen. Um, <laughs> once. It once, happened yes. once. <laughs> um, you can actually find the... Uh, so television existed at this point in time, because this is the 70s. So all this stuff has been converted to videos on YouTube, and you can actually watch all three races in their completeness on YouTube, by the way. The original yes. races. In fact, in the movie, when you see the... Um, is it the 
Preakness they show on the television in the movie? I believe that's Correct. the Preakness, right? That's yes, actually the that's actual race footage. That's not, um, that's not staged for the movie, whereas every other race in the movie is staged. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, like you said, the Triple Crown is the, is the Derby, the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont, and the, Pre, or the Preakness and the Belmont uh, yep. in that order. So, yes. Uh, it's, it, it, you can go watch them, like you said, on YouTube. I watched the Belmont because I didn't believe that it could have possibly been that big of a, of a win. And it's That's scary. Just, even, yeah, <laughs> even watching the movie, I'm like, there's no way he won by that much. Uh, but he did. Yeah, he really, really did. Uh, there's a lot to back up the reasons for that. Um, I, I could just keep going. There's just so many facts about this. This is what I said. I, I, I tweeted to, which I knew Ryan would pick up this morning, as I tweeted that, that the facts of this movie are like wildly more fascinating than the actual movie, which I can get to my opinion there later. Um, so in his prime, right, he stood uh, 16.2 hands. Again, I don't know what, how lengths and hands came up as measurements, but this is like how you measure horses. Uh, that's uh, 66 inches or 106 cents. 168 centimeters tall. He weighed 1,175 pounds, or again, 533 kilograms. Okay, his girth was 75 inches. So that's how long he is around his midsection. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, he lived to be 19 years old, and he had to be euthanized due to an incurable condition. Um, now, unlike most horses uh, who are cremated or chopped up for burial. Uh, he was yeah. actually he's actually one of the only horses in the past hundred years to be buried whole. Interesting. Yes, yeah, so I thought that was kind of an interesting fact. Now, here's here's part of the speculation as to why Secretariat was so fast. A normal horse heart weighs about seven pounds. Okay. Um, thoroughbreds have an X factor gene that can cause an enlarged heart. Uh, it comes from a racehorse in the 1700s named Eclipse. Um, and it's generally passed down through the dam line. Yeah, I did a lot of research, <laughs> just so we know, folks. Um, the ec- <laughs> so the typical enlarged heart ends up being about 14 pounds when this gene triggers. Okay, that generally means that they're going to have they're going to be have stronger endurance because that's what the heart size does at a horse. Um, and Secretariat does in fact trace back to Eclipse through his dam line. So. You know, it's all the way back. So there, there is actually right. a connection there. And in fact, his cousin Sham, which is not covered in the movie, but Sham, the other racehorse, is in fact Secretariat's cousin. Okay. Yes. Um, Sham's heart was weighed at death at being 18 pounds. So this is why Sham was also a, a super horse. Okay. Not really covered so well in the movie, but Sham was also darn amazing. Um, but they, but they allude to this whole. They allude to. I, I know where you're going with this because they allude to this a little bit in the movie. But, but keep going. Yeah. And um, Secretariat's heart never actually weighed, okay, because they were so scared by it when they cut him open for the autopsy um, that uh, based on its size and compared against Shams, um, they estimated it to be at in excess of 22 pounds or more than three times the normal horse-sized heart. Kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would that would make a difference, right? Because what what I'm saying that they allude to it in the movie. They talk about the jockey that that rides Secretariat that he has in the past ridden a horse until its heart burst, yes. and then 
push the heart so push the horse so hard that the heart could not pump blood fast enough. So that's you're right. Almost all thoroughbreds have a, an enlarged heart. This is you know it is abnormal, and this is it's one of the one of the theories as to why Secretariat was so good. I think everybody has their own theory uh, from what I read about horse racing. Uh, as to why Secretary was so good and why we have not seen the likes of him in 30 years since. Although by the time you hear this, we might have another Triple Crown winner. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Who knows? It is that time of year, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Neat. Neat. Sorry, I didn't mean to get so done up in the facts, but I figured we'd just get all that out of the way now. Yeah. That's good. I mean, the thing is, there. Uh, you, you said there's no spoilers in this movie. There's, there's not. You can't spoil the movie because if you know anything about, if you, if you hear Secretariat and Horse, most people would be able to. You know, if you, if you don't know enough about it when it gets to get started, you can probably figure out that he is a Triple Crown winner. Um, and if you watch any uh, horse race coverage this year at any of the any of the Triple Crown races. Uh, the Derby, the Preakness, or the Belmont, you're going to hear Secretariat's name every year. Trust me. <laughs> yes. And that statue that they zoom in on on the front of the, uh, I think it's the Kentucky Derby race course, is actually a statue of uh, Ron Turcott and Eddie Sweat and Secretariat, right? If I'm not mistaken, that, that famous mm-hmm. bronze statue. Yes. I don't remember if it's the if it's at Churchill Downs where they run the Derby or if it's at Belmont, but we'll, we'll look it up while we're, while we're talking. But yes, that's that that statue that you you will see many many times uh, when you're watching the the race uh, is is of those three. So the the basic so the, we we gave away the ending the last what thirty minutes of the movie <laughs> just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically that's all right. But yeah, no, that's fine because the whole the whole story the real story of this is not necessarily about Secretariat and and the fact that he won the uh, the triple crown. It's more the story of Penny Chenery, uh, or um, what's her, what's her married name? Tweedy. I didn't pay much Tweedy. Tweedy. Yes. Uh, who's played by Diane Lane, and the the story basically starts when her her mother passes away, and she has to go to her father's uh, stables in Virginia to help figure out the estate with along with her brother, who's played by Dylan Baker, who you might recognize as Doctor Kurt Connors from the first few Spider Man movies before they rebooted it. <laughs> who's got to be angry that he's not playing the lizard in the new one, but that's a whole other story. But anyway. Yeah. So when they get there, there's a disagreement over what to do with the farm, right? Because Penny wants to keep the farm, and she wants to try and get it back on its feet because her father is elderly and it's implied has Alzheimer's, although we can't really we can't say for sure. Her brother wants to sell the farm and, and you know deal with all the tax implications because they don't have enough money to keep it up properly. So Penny has to try and juggle getting the farm back up on its feet with her family that lives back in Denver. She has four children in Denver and a husband in Denver, and the story of the movie is basically how she manages to navigate Secretariat to that Triple Crown win while also trying to somehow balance that family that she has back in Denver. Yes. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And so, that, I mean, that's the story, and that's why, that, why, why saying that he wins the Triple Crown is not necessarily a spoiler, because it, I would say even if you didn't know the history of Secretariat, you're probably going to figure it out 
once once he hits the first race. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very much a movie that's about the journey, not the destination. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, biblical references in the movie and stuff like that. As a result, she, I, she, I guess I'm presuming she was a very spiritual woman. Uh, nothing I read says that, but I know that the uh, the author of the book, William Knack, uh, who the book, by the way, is uh, Secretary at the Making of a Champion. He spent a lot of time interviewing her and interviewing um, Martin, who's the who's Sham's Poncho Martin, who's Sham's um, trainer. Not his owner, yes. his trainer. Um, you know, um, Ron Turcotte a little bit. And uh, so he did all these interviews. So he had a lot of information to go on to write this story. So I, it's probably, you know, 90% true. Yeah. And, the, well, the movie does digress a little bit uh, from, from the actual story. So the movie, in the movie, uh, Penny comes and takes over the farm. Uh, the whole thing basically is kicked off by um, she meets this man, Bull Hancock, who's played by Fred Thompson, who you might remember running for president four years ago. <laughs> um, how he went from that to playing Bull Hancock in this movie. I mean, he was an actor before, but anyway. Uh, he, Penny meets Bull Hancock at the funeral, and he offers his help, whatever she might need, to, to get the farm back on his feet. And when she, when she goes back to the farm, she figures out that her... Um, her trainer that that is working on the farm is completely dishonest. There's a reason for that. What? Because he is because he is playing Loki in the Avengers Minus Heroes TV show. Oh, the guy who played the <laughs> <laughs> See that Loki is everywhere, people. Loki is evil. Pure evil. And he also is the voice of the Star Star Wars Over Public video game. So wait, hey. he's both our Star Wars connection and our Avengers connection? Yes. And Look his that. name is Graham McTavish, and he pre- played Earl Jansen, which pretty much is the guy. All right. Pretty sure it was the guy who was the trainer, wasn't it? Yes, I think, I think you are correct. That was the guy, yes. <laughs> that was, um, wow. So, so both connected in one. Yeah, I wow. think a wormhole is now going to open up and just swallow... <laughs> Swallow the. Sorry. No, that's okay. I don't, I don't know what a wormhole actually sounds like. <laughs> that's probably a good thing, though. But she yes. has to fire. She has to fire her trainer uh, because he's dishonest. Because he's he is apparently the god of mischief. Yeah. And because he tried to sell some of their horses to another horse farm at a discount, basically, and he was also working for this horse farm. Yes. <laughs> so he was going to take the good horses over to this new horse farm, turn them into winners, and get a cut of the profits. Right. So she fires him, and she does a good job. I mean, I I like this because I wasn't so sure about the character until that scene. Yeah, I agree. Right. And and then it kind of sort of defined her for the rest of the movie with that, that one scene. You knew she was going to be hard and straight and, and you know, sharpshooter kind of thing. So, Yeah. Well, that's the thing is the opening of the film, she's very meek and mild, especially around her husband and her brother. And it's this is sort of the turning point in the movie where, you know, she's trying to deal with everything and she fires the trainer because the whole goal is they want to get the farm back on its feet so they can sell it. At least that's what her brother thinks the goal is. Uh, I don't think in it based off of this scene and the other things in the movie, I'm not sure that really was what she was up to. 
That may have been the initial goal. Maybe. And yeah. um, and then then when she when I think when she saw her father, and she kind of I don't know got this um I I better lack a word chutzpah back. Chutzpah. There you go. Chutzpah's a good word. <laughs> um, but and and so and she kind of got the gall to say you know what I never lived my dream. Maybe now is the time for me to live this dream. Yeah. I, I, I think it's because they change. this is one of those points where they changed the facts a little bit. To make yes, a better to, exactly. To make a better movie because in reality in, in real life she here here in the movie they say her father picked something royal to mate to mate with Bold Roller, but in fact in reality it was her who did it. Yes. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at is, is and also Lucian Lauren was not who the tra- she fired the trainer and then Bull Hancock recommends Lucian Lauren, who's the John Malkovich character, to come and and train her horses. Right. It, initially, that was not the case. No, initially it was Lucian Lauren's son Roger, and yes. the, the the movie characters actually kind of sort of both characters combined into one. Right. That's so yeah. They they did definitely streamline the story to to make it more. Uh, easy to comprehend because it's a very it's actually quite the complex story when you start especially when you start talking about this coin toss and the deal that was made (laughs) the coin toss in the movie is actually fairly straightforward and simple right yes okay the the (laughs) real life coin toss really darn confusing that's yes okay (laughs) that's one way to put it yes so in in the movie right it's there's there's a bold ruler had mated with two horses, a hasty Matilda and uh, something royal. Okay? Correct. And both foals are born, okay? Foal is a baby horse. And basically that means the coin toss happens. And whoever wins the coin toss gets to pick the horse that they want and the other person gets to keep the other horse. And there's only two horses involved. Uh, she's flipping the coin toss with Ogden... Phipps? Phipps. Okay. Yes. Who is a very, very famous rich man, and you should, he could have a whole movie done about himself, to be honest. <laughs> yes. Um, he is a, a factually amazing individual. Um, he picks the horse out of Hasty Matilda because nobody trusts something royal for some reason, but she does because something royal is, is who she picked. You know, right. Well, well the, it, the, you go. It's Hasty Matilda. Hasty, Hasty Matilda. Um, was the choice because she was the younger mare, right? Okay. So the younger mare, they figure the, the horse that comes from her is going to have, you know, a, a better, it's going to be a better horse. Whereas something royal is older, but the bloodline of something royal had horses with lots of good stamina. So the, the issue that comes up in the movie, and this was the issue in, in real life, is Bold Ruler, the stallion, typically his offspring were very very fast but they couldn't sustain it over long distances which in order to win the triple crown that's what you have to do and they they address this in the movie the triple crown races get longer and longer from what normal horses are are need so you need a good combination of speed and stamina in a horse to win those races right most most race horses only run for about 4 years right and there's yeah and and, um, and some some only 3 some only 3 or some never make it to the third um, yeah in this, in the your set, you don't start running until the second year. In the second year, the races are all under a mile, right? 
I believe. Yeah, usually, usually uh, I want to say half to three quarters. Okay, and uh, and so they go by very quickly, and the distances are very short. As soon as you hit the the um, the third year, things like the Kentucky Derby are a mile and a half, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to mess this up. I believe that's correct, yes. One, one of those three races is like a mile and a half, so it's, it's, it's like twice as long as the, other race, as the races that the horses are used to running, and that's where the stamina issue comes in. Yes. There you go. Um, but, but back to the coin toss. So the, the real-life coin toss, very confusing, um, because there's actually three horses involved, and two of them aren't born yet. Yes, and so and and it turns out that Big Red Secretariat is one of the horses that's not born yet, and instead of picking Hasty Matilda's horse, the horse that was born was born out of something royal, and that's the one that Ogden Phipps takes. So they both end up with a horse from something royal, anyway. Yes, it's bizarre. I I think it would have been more confusing to people in the movie, so I can completely understand why they played it the way they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think they did a very good job of when, – when I went and started reading the actual stories of, of what happened with Secretariat. Now, I haven't read the book. Uh, I may after watching the movie. But when I went and read the actual stories, it's, it's, I think they did a very good job of, of focus in this, in this movie because, this, like, like we said, the story is about Penny, and they focused everything on Penny and all these extraneous details. They just kind of chopped off what wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Including, including giving a char- giving any kind of depth or character to her husband, or because her I entire, f- yeah, or her entire <laughs> family, right? Because can I, can I just say that from the moment her husband appeared on screen, I hated him. I thought he was <laughs> terrible. He was a horrible person. Um, Cheryl, actually, at one point in the movie, goes, "How come they're not spending more time on her family?" And I said, "Because." the movie is named Secretariat, so any time that Secretariat or Secretariat's owner or trainer or whatever aren't on the screen, it's not about Secretariat. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is why when, when we finally see his, at kind of the turning point, you mentioned the Preakness, his turning point as a character, if he has one, and he, it's very poorly done if it is, is when they're watching the Preakness together as a family. But it's still, Secretariat is still on screen, quote-unquote, but it's it's about the family, and he sort of you can see it in his face is coming to terms with the fact that this is what his wife is doing. It took him long enough. <laughs> I don't think he understood that side of her, right? I mean, and that's not played up in the movie, but I mean, he met her long after she was sent to finishing school and business school yeah. by her father and everything like that, and that's all left out of the movie. So yeah, that that is one thing when I went back to read everything because. It, it plays like Penny was just a housewife, uh, which she was at the time that she went to take over the farm. But it's not like she was a typical housewife. You know, like you said, she had been to finishing school. She had been to business school. She was she was a very smart and accomplished woman before she had four kids. Yeah. And, and they didn't they didn't really, you know, even allude to that in the movie, which, again, it's not. That's not necessary for the story, but it's just an interesting background to her, and it makes her husband even more of a pain when you watch <laughs> the movie. Yeah. Sorry, I just I really disliked him. Well, I thought the comment just, regarding the money was the wor- was one of his worst comments. It's like 
there was because at one point she had said, "Oh, don't worry, I'll make sure I don't spend any of your money." Right. And, and, and I think that was one of the most characteristic comments that you could made to make the point clear. Yeah, that yeah, there, right. That there have been that there have been this I don't know, animosity, resentment, whatever between the two of them over. This and maybe other stuff in the past. I don't know. It was it was really yeah. hard to tell because they were also dealing with um, the daughter who is dealing with the war war protesting, and that was also really that. And I also thought I thought I also thought I I kind of wish that wasn't in there. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with you. I mean, could I I I mean I understand the part where she's missing her kids, and yes, let's have her miss the kids. I'm not sure why the daughter in the war protesting is the one she's missing in the play. Yeah, I'm not sure it's why. It's not we, necessary. It's not that that's not a pivotal scene to me. No, had I it agree. been the younger, had it been the younger child, I would have understood. But her older child is like, I, I had think it, marriage, I would have understood. <laughs> I think it was just them trying to show that the sacrifice that she was putting forth. I just don't think it played out very well. No, I think I think the they wanted to make it more about her and the sacrifice because you see the tension with her and her husband. You see the fact that she's missing her daughter because when she talks to her daughter before the play, uh, you know she's she's just very upset. And you know even later on in the movie, she talks to her on the phone and she's sort of crying when she talks to her. But it doesn't come off very well because there's no, nothing happens between the tension between her and her husband, right? Yeah. It just, he shows up at the end of the movie and he's happy for her, right? right? So there's all this tension for two hours and then the last five minutes, he's good. I mean, they're, they're trying to kind of sort of O'Henry the plot, right? They're trying to say, because in an O'Henry plot, in order to get what you want, which in this case is saving the farm, okay, because that's not really, she's not racing Secretariat to race it first. That happens at the end of the movie, right? She's actually racing him to save the farm, okay? Yes. And, there, and the whole family aspect is, like I said, it's it's the sacrifice that has to occur according to the way O. Henry wrote in order to get what you want, and even then you don't end up quite with what you want. You know, yeah. so that's that's kind of sort of what's going on. There's a second horse that actually existed at this point in time, and without this, I, I just kind of sort of, again, because we read the history, I kind of sort of feel to mention the horse, be, and the horse's name was River Ridge, and the reason why is because... Um, Lucian and Penny and Ron Turcott were racing this horse at the same time they were bringing up sec and racing Secretariat. Yes. Okay. And it was the money that River Ridge earned that allowed Secretariat to even race. Yeah. Right. River Ridge but, was a was a winner, won the Kentucky Derby and the Belmont, is also in the Hall of Fame, just like Secretariat is, and uh, made half a million dollars racing that that first yeah. year. Right. But again, I mean, it, it, they made a good choice, I think, of leaving that out of the, the movie because the movie's about Penny yeah. and Secretariat. I know. I just want people to go, like, read the real stuff and stuff so they can... Well, you, they need to go read, read Penny's story online, and then I, I really think I'm, I may uh, pick up this book because I think it, it sounds very interesting of what the actual backstory was. But Yeah. So... W we finally get the trainer, uh, the John Malkovich character, Lucian, uh, together with uh, 
with Penny, and she's figured out that they that they you know they want to raise Secretariat so that they can save the farm, like you said. And they enter the first one. Uh, the first race that he enters is at the Aqueduct Racetrack in in New York, and the jockey uh, is is apparently very young. And when the race happens, Secretariat basically gets bounced around. You know, right out of the gate, he comes out of the starting gate, gets hit, he gets bounced around throughout the race, and comes in fourth. Uh, because he was afraid of the other horses is kind of what they imply, right? He was he was getting bounced around out there, and they they realized that Penny Illusion get in a fight, and it's again this is where you see her spine. She's basically telling him and and the jockey they have to figure figure out what's going on, and they figure out that that Paul is is part of the problem, the the jockey, and yeah. they realize that they need an experienced jockey to ride this horse, which is not going to be an easy thing to do, right? Because this is it's you know this is a horse that came in fourth in this race. Getting an experienced jockey to take a chance on that is not going to be an easy thing to do. It's also already race season too, so it's like all the jockeys yeah. are taken. <laughs> uh, and this is it's right after that race is the uh, is when she's supposed to go back for the play, like Cheryl mentioned, and she her flight gets canceled, so she has to listen to her her daughter sing in the play over a payphone that her son holds up and it's just her, you know, the end of the scene is her laying there and crying. Now I feel like we haven't talked much about the acting performance, but I feel like Diane Lane did it, did an amazing job in the, in the role. Um, because even this scene, which I'm with Cheryl, I didn't like the scene. I didn't feel it was necessary, but I really felt for her in that scene. Cause you know, as a parent, I've had that moment before where you're like, I should be there. So yeah. I feel like she she really gave a good a great performance. And in fact, Disney tried to get her nominated for Best Actress. Uh, it didn't work, but they they did put a big campaign out uh, to try and get her nominated uh, for this movie. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, they did. It, it again didn't work, but they I wonder tried. why it didn't work. I don't know. I have I'd have to look and see who she who she would have been up against. But I have a feeling it was a pretty stiff competition that year. Would be my guess. <laughs> Because she has she she is an Oscar nominated actress before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but they decide they go get Ron Turcotte to. Or, did I pronounce that right? Turcotte, 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 Turcotte I believe. Yeah. Terracotta. Terracotta. Yeah. No? There we go. <laughs> uh, he he is one of those the warriors that you find in the Japanese pavilion at Epcot. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not true. He's someone Lucien has worked with before. And it's Lucy sure. who recommends him. Yeah. Uh, I, I love his introduction to the movie because she's looking for a jockey <laughs> and he comes in on crutches. <laughs> With a black eye. Yes. That's not exactly what you would be looking for in a jockey right off the bat. Yeah. E- except he, he sells her, right? Oh, Absolutely. So, so here's yeah. here's the funny thing. Uh, this is this is actually a good point to mention. So later on in the movie, right, Lucian turns to her and asks, y- "Why did you pick me?" Right, and and because if you watch the scene where they meet up until this point, you think he picked her, but she had already decided that she that she had him and Lucian was working for her. That's how the movie plays out, and she right. does the same thing here, right? Is she's really already decided that because. She did all the research on Turcotte, and because Lucien recommended her, she's already – this is her, already her jockey. She's just got to hear him say it. 
okay? And he, and he sells himself to her really well because he, t- he has this great conversation about courage and loving the horse and wanting the horse to win because the horses want to win and that's what they want to do and he wants to be there for the horse. And it's a really, you know, he's, he's very committed to what he does. Yes. Maybe too committed, we find out in the end. Yes, <laughs> maybe, yeah. too, maybe too committed. Well, it's John Malkovich. He might need to be committed. Oh, no, I was actually no, I was talking, I was talking about Turncarker. I was talking about Turncarker. Ah, okay. Gotcha. I thought you were talking about Lucian there for a second. No. Uh, Lucian needs to be committed to... Um, yes, he does. Arkham will get... Arkham. Lucian. So, but they finally get that combination together, and his two-year-old year is unbelievable, right? Secretariat wins, I think, what did they say, eight races in his two-year-old year? Mm-hmm. Some, some uh, and, crazy number, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's named Horse of the Year. Yeah. But, the, again, the big thing comes back to every horse that's been sired by a bold ruler can't handle the longer distances. So all, right. the, all the triple crown races... Um, are they go from one and a quarter at the Derby, one and three sixteenths at the Preakness, to one and a half miles at the Belmont? Yeah, right. So, so you can't. They say that the, the three-year-old horses can't can't handle that distance. Can, can I ask a weird question? Was not the um, the mo- the racing montage that they play a little strange for a montage because it was an audio montage? No, and here's why. Okay, because what most people so for a long 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 time horse races weren't on tv and then when they are on tv horse races are very 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 short right there's lots and lots of build up but the actual race itself is very short period of time like what what's secretariat's record for the that you had there for the uh for the belmont it was not 24 i think without looking specifically but yeah so so three minutes let's say at the outside Mm-hmm. So most people don't actually experience a horse race by watching it. They experience it through the call of the announcer. So like that's that's one thing I think they did an excellent job of in this movie is the calls of the announcers as they as the horses go down the stretch, as the horses finish, etc. So I actually thought that was very good because most people who experience a horse race are hearing the call of the announcer rather than actually seeing a highlight of it. Even when you see a highlight of it on TV, they're playing you the call of the announcers from TV that it, that's also on radio, that's also, that um, some people could be hearing it at the track, it depends on tracks, you know, that sort of a thing. But most people, their memories of a horse race are from the call of the announcer as opposed to the visual of the horse winning. Hmm. I had, not having really experienced it much, I would... Uh... I wouldn't have even thought about that. Yeah. But it, make, it makes sense now. It's very much like, um, it's very similar to baseball in that way. So lots and lots of people go to baseball games, but baseball on radio is sort of the traditional way to experience baseball. So that's why you'll see in a lot of baseball movies, they always have the radio announcer, not the TV announcers. Hmm. Just a little thing. And whereas in football movies, they rarely have any broadcasters because most people are just watching the visual. Can I go back and ask a question? Yes. Sure. Did we ever see... Okay, at, at one point, the, the, um, 
Substable assistant. I forget his name. Eddie Sweat. Thank you. Um, had said that no one had noticed the secretary wasn't eating because Penny was the only one that would let her let him examine the mouth. Did we ever see those scenes, or was it me? I thought that was a little odd too. Okay. Because yeah, they they did not show anything leading up to that. It's just okay. like a throwaway thing in the movie. Okay. Thank but you. I don't. That hasn't actually happened yet at this point, right? No, we 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 know. We said she lost, and we said they hired they hired the other guy. No, that was one reason why they lost. But that wasn't the other race that they. Right. Lost, that was right? The, the one that you're talking about is their first race as a three year old, which is at the Wood Memorial. And it's after that that they discover his the issue that the Secretariat has. Uh, but before they get to that point, what happens is her father has a stroke and dies. And at this time, there was a heavy estate tax. So in order to pay the estate tax, they needed $6 million. So her brother, of course, says, well, let's sell Secretariat. There's no way he's going to win the Triple Crown. You know, no horse has won the Triple Crown in years. The Colts of Bold Ruler can't handle that distance. We can get $7 million for him, and she says no. And that's where the comment that Cheryl mentioned earlier about the, her husband saying, yeah, well, you know, rich men can take gambles, but I can't. And you, know, you can take gambles with your money and not my money, and that whole tension comes through. And it's at that point, I didn't know much about Penny. I knew him enough about Secretariat to know that he was going to win all the races. But I thought, well, they're going to get divorced, obviously. But there's no payoff to that tension. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had thought that as well, that they were going to divorce as well. But I also thought it was also maybe a throwback to time period to remind us what time period we were in. So Penny is in a bind. She has to get the $6 million she had in order to, to keep the farm, to keep secretary, to keep everything. But, you know, $6 million doesn't grow on trees. So what she decides what? to do is syndicate secretariat, which means that she sells 32 shares, or, or in other words... 32 mates to Secretariat. She attempts to. For, attempts to, correct. Yeah. For what is $190,000 each, which is yeah. unheard of. You don't sell rights for that high yeah, for a horse. Uh, it's $6.08 million is what it ends up coming out to, which is just slightly above what she actually needs. But there's only a guarantee. She He has to win one of the Triple Crown races. Right. Well, first of all, she doesn't get any takers to start with. Correct. <laughs> I mean, they spend uh, about 10 to 15 minutes of her not getting anybody to help to, to buy in. <laughs> oh, you know what we skipped over, because this is kind of sort of important, was, um, was right after her father dies, Bull Hancock dies as well. That's right. No, that's a good point. And she, and she and Mrs. Ham together partner up with Bull Hancock's son, Seth, to, to make this whole, try to make this whole deal happen. But, but they can't get anybody to take them on, right? Because no one, no one is willing to take the gamble. Because in order to put that kind of money up, you know, he's got to – they're guaranteeing one race. But to put that kind of money up, you know, he's got to win at least two of these races to make it worth their while to, to use him as a sire. So other people are not exactly, you know, jumping at the chance to do this. Well, Penny, being a smart woman – gets Ogden Phipps, the rich man who did the coin toss, to come and sit down with her and have lunch. 
and she tries to talk him into doing it. Instead, he offers to buy the horse for $8 million. Yeah. But it, she says it's not for sale, and she does convince him to front the money. And, of course, when he does it, then everyone says that you know they will, they will come and join in because, obviously, the richest man in the world knows what he's doing. Right, but that's when the performance guarantee is added because of their conversation. Because yeah. he Correct. says – she says she can't sell for $8 million because he'll end up being worth three times that. Which means he's winning the Triple Crown. Yes, she, she's guaranteeing he's winning the Triple Crown, and he holds her to it. That's where the whole thing comes from. Right. Well, it's vague, right? They, she doesn't – she says she thinks he's going to win the Triple Crown. Yes. Phipps will put up the money because he thinks she's going to win the Triple Crown, but it's not like a contractual guarantee that, he, that he'll win the Triple Crown, right? It's just well, sort of their – Handshake deal. She has a conversation with her husband on the phone, and it's mentioned that it's a performance guarantee in the contract. And right, real but the life, guarantee only yeah. for one, right? What? For, for one what? I, I think it's for, for all the investors. One of, for one of the races is what I mean, not the entire Triple Crown. Because when she, when she goes to – at the very end, at the, when they're at the Belmont, she's already fulfilled her role. To the, to the investors because they oh, make that okay. point because she talks to the horse and she says, you know, I've, I've done my part. Her husband comes and I'm so proud of you and la da 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 right? When, when they get to the Belmont, he's already fulfilled the guarantee to the investors. We did also forget one other part. What's that? Is when the, when the husband and the brother try to sell, try to, try to actually sell Secretariat. And and uh, Mrs. Ham has to come up and oh, say yeah. <laughs> and and say no, um, you don't get to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, we mentioned right. the fa- we mentioned the father died, right? And uh, there's this, and as soon as the father dies, right, um, the brother Hollis and her husband Jack immediately gang up on her, telling her she has to that the farm has there's a estate tax on the farm of six million dollars. That's where the six million dollar number comes from. And that she has to basically start selling the horses to pay to save the farm. Okay? And she basically was ready for this. And it, I, I was I watching the movie as a person who knew, knew nothing about the story until at, researched it after the, watching the movie. I had yeah. no idea that this was even going to happen. Not them coming in. I kind of sort of expected that, but what happens next, which is where she kind of turns the tables on them and calls in Mrs. Ham, who apparently has a letter from five years ago where her father planned for this. <laughs> and basically, they – I forgot. She has control of the farm, and they have control – oh, no, they have, they have the farm, but she has the horses, right? That's what it is. She leaves the farm to her brother, Hollis, and the horses to her, so – Hollis can't save the farm with her horses unless she lets her, him do it, and she ain't doing it. Exactly. Yeah, she has dominion over the horses because that her father apparently knew that that's, uh, that's what would be the right thing to do. And so he can have the farm, but the farm is worthless without the horses. Right. So he's put in a bind because of this. And it's Mr. H- Mrs. Ham. I was I – was, I know. I have – that name is like – Toy Story. That's why. I know. That's exactly why I keep thinking Mrs. Ham. So um, they, uh, Mrs. Ham has this you – know, they never actually show the letter. She just kind of says it out loud, and they kind of buy into it. I presume because a lawyer probably had the letter at that point in time because that would have been the smart thing to do. 
Yeah. But so she she finally sells all the shares. She has the money. She has to then go and win a race, and it's the Wood Memorial is the first race that she that she goes to, and it's at this time that we encounter Frank Martin or Poncho Martin, who is the trainer of Sham, the rival horse, who basically says that Sham's going to destroy Secretariat in in the three year olds, and at the first race he does. <laughs> At the Wood Memorial, three weeks before the first Triple Crown race, um, Sham does win and and takes takes down Secretariat, but they and they can't figure out why Secretariat doesn't run properly, and it leads to a very heated confrontation between Penny and Lucian, the trainer, and the jockey Ron, where she basically tells the two of them they've got to figure it out and figure out what's going on with this horse yep. because they're three weeks away from the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, and what what they end up figuring out is that he's sick because he has an abscess in his mouth, and he's not right? eating, and he's not eating because of it. Right. Um, which I that that was my favorite Lucian part in the in the movie was they ask him to uh, to hold something up to Secretariat's mouth and he says no for two years I've trained this horse and it's waited to get my hand near its mouth I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> Um, it's also, you find out that the horse eats 25 pounds of food a day, which is like the, the vet is like, that's like more than twice what the horse should be eating. Right. So again, another, just another throwback to the fact that there's just something really odd with Secretariat. Yes. Yes. Uh, so when they figure that out, it's, you know, it's in time for when they travel to the Derby and when they get to the Derby, uh, he's still not eating. Uh, and they're not working him out. And Frank Martin has a press conference before the, the Derby where he basically calls Penny a housewife and says she doesn't know anything about horse racing and they're going to destroy her. Yes. And I, I, and I would say that I would say that I am, um, what is the word, paraphrasing or embellishing, but that's really what he says. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's – so here's the thing, right? Again, it's back to these interviews that they have. And, uh, again um, – Bill Knack said, actually interviewed um, Martin for one of his things, and the, Mar- he paraphrased Martin's own words into this scene. Now, Ron Turcott apparently said later on in an interview that this was not really how it played out after the movie, you know, because he's still alive. We'll, we'll get to yeah. that in a moment. Um, he, after the movie, he was interviewed about this, and he said that's not how it played out, that Martin was actually a much nicer, more friendly guy. Um, and, and that's probably true. But that doesn't mean that he probably didn't say these things based on the time period. It's entirely believable. She plays the press very well. I kind of um, there's this po- point where she's talking with the with the two uh, reporters who are following her around because there's two reporters who start dodging her, you know, dodging her around uh, as soon as she leaves Woods Memorial or maybe even back to the second year stuff. I don't remember. Yeah. Specifically, it's, yeah. It's towards the end. Towards the end of the second year, yes. Okay, and it's the same two guys are like they're assigned to secretariat, and they're telling it. And she has this great conversation with one of them, and she's very friendly because at this point she knows him, she recognizes him, she knows his name, and they have a really good conversation about why he. She kind of turns the table on him and asks, "Why are you doing this? You know, you seem very smart. You seem like you could be better than doing this." And he says it's because he loves the horses. He does this for the horses, and she kind of turns back to him and says, "I do the same thing, and I." his voice when referring to Secretariat. And I really like that because that was kind of sort of just strengthening the bond between her and her horse. Yes. 
Yeah, it def- it definitely does. They show that, uh, and, and when there's the part with Lucian too, where he says, you know, I'll take care of the horse, you take care of the reporters. Yes. And she and she doesn't want to, but it's sort of the 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 taunts of Frank Martin kind of bring a little bit of her feistiness out of her. So at the press conferences, you know, she just kind of tosses off a couple one-liners. She doesn't really answer any questions, but she, you know, tosses off a couple one-liners. Like the one that I remember the most is at the Belmont press conference where he where he stands up and gets tired of all the the hype over Secretariat and says, you know, well, Sham ran the second fastest, you know, Derby ever and the second fastest Preakness ever, and she basically says, I agree with him. He did run the second, second fastest. fastest yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she she basically she zings him, and he just like frustrated gets up and leaves. Uh, he, like I said, he probably probably that's like I said, there's probably about ninety percent truth in everything that goes on in this movie, and it probably went down roughly like that. I don't know if it would even be on film anywhere. You know, that's it's one probably of those time, not, yeah. It's one of those time periods where it's hard because it was probably done in a back room at the track where they didn't have anything more than a photography camera set up rather than film cameras. Um, but it's I like the press conference because they're very old school press conference, and I kind of sort of dig that compared to the, what you get these days where people sit on rows and are pre and are pre prepped and stuff like that. I agree. Yeah. It's it's good. But at the so at the Kentucky Derby, uh they finally you know, at the at the last minute, uh Secretariat's abscess heals. He eats breakfast the morning of the race and when the race be- then they, we get the Kentucky Derby montage, which we've already mentioned to you, he does win. Yes. Uh but he wins the Kentucky Derby coming from behind, and this is his model in some of the other races, right? He starts off in last, and then he kind of runs up from the back of the pack to, to win. And he does that, and then we see the scene we talked about at the Preakness, where the, the family, the, the four kids, and the husband are watching the Preakness uh, on TV. We don't actually see anyone at the track, except they digitally did put Diane Lane into the TV footage. Yes. But other than that, we just see... The, the actual footage of the race, and he does the same thing there. He comes from behind and wins yeah. at the Preakness, yes. which makes the Belmont run so amazing. Crazy, yeah. Um, so here, here's, here's a, there's two things that go on at the Kentucky that I really like. First of all, I, I kind of really like the Eddie character because he's very down-to-earth, and I always dig the down-to-earth characters in the movie. Yeah. Right? And he's just really he's, – he's really smart. Um, he really knows a lot about horses, how to take care of them. In real life, the character was spent most of his um, training career uh, sleeping with his horses at the at the end of the thing, which was not out of the realm of oddness. But for the for Secretariat, he was the guy who saw Secretariat almost every hour of every day. Yeah, never took his absolutely. eyes eyes or ears off the horse. Um, and uh, he, I, I love how, because he's so attached to the horse. And so there's this moment where, when Secretary comes out of his funk just before the Kentucky Derby, and he he takes he goes out to the track in the in the at sunrise, and he shouts shouts it to the world. Yeah. <laughs> I I just really it, it was like that's I, honestly I mean I I have a lot of weird feelings about this movie because I honestly feel this movie is very cookie cutter. Oh, it definitely um, is. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this is why you make a movie is to have moments like that. You know, that, that sunrise scene with the beautiful cinematography and the awesomely set up shot. And, yes. you know, in, in that, it's just like, it's, it's one of the best, you know, 
30 seconds in the entire movie. But like we said, uh, you know, he wins the Derby, he wins the Preakness, and then we, we've already talked about the fact that he wins the Belmont. And, you know, upon winning the Belmont, that's, that's the end of the film. But we do, we do get little snippets that show us what happened to everybody uh, in real life after the film. And we also get to see that Penny Chinnery actually was in the film at the very end. Twice. She was, uh, she's, in the she, cheering. She's, in, she's in both um, races that are in the movie rather than the one that's the replay. The, she's in the Derby and the Belmont. Yeah, in the Derby and the Belmont, yep. So uh, yeah, so we've already kind of kind of discussed with uh, the movie a bit uh, about what we thought of it. What would you what would you rate it? I'd rate it four. It's definitely one of the ones that if it's you know Thanksgiving, I would go and watch it if it's on. Um, you know, type of things. I again, I wouldn't I wouldn't particularly own it. I don't I don't think it's a necessary own. I think it's one of those ones that you catch on cable. Um, you know. Pay, you know, pay-per-view and stuff like that, something you rent, definitely think it's worth, like, $5 rentable. I wouldn't pay... I'm not saying I won't pay more than that. I, I, I would agree with that. I agree wholeheartedly. Mr. Perlmutter, what'd you think? So, like I said, I, this is just... I didn't dislike this movie. Um, it's just not my kind of movie. It's, but it's not a bad movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's right there in the middle at a three for me. It's just not something I'm rushing out for. But I can't say don't see it, especially if it's something you're interested in. You know, in terms of yeah. histor- historical fact and stuff like that, because it's it's pretty darn close. Like I said, that ninety percent mark. They don't change a lot from what I read. So. Yeah, I think they streamlined it. Is the word you used is exactly right. They streamlined it. Yeah. And yeah. I completely understand what you're saying too about it being a three for you. Like it's just not your cup of tea. Like I, you can recognize the craft in it, but it's not necessarily your thing. Yeah, I just feel there was nothing to make me go wow and keep talking about it to my friends and stuff like that. But if somebody asked me specifically about it, like the whole purpose of this episode, <laughs> I, I'm fine talking about it. But I can't, um, you know, I can't, I can't say I want to jump out and, you know, go do it. Now, I'm interested in maybe talking to some of the people who are still alive. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> I mean, some right? of the, like, like I say, some of these people are amazing. I mean, these people are all amazing people. Um, the only person involved who's not in the Hall of Fame is Eddie Sweat. Everybody else is in the Hall of Fame, including uh, Frank Martin, uh, all all the horses are in the Hall of Fame, everything like that. Uh, the the joke about Secretariat being – I'm Sham being second to Secretariat, still to this day second to, only to Secretariat. So yeah, c- consider that Sham was not a, not a Sham. He was, you know, the – He, he was, was the real deal. Yeah, he was the real deal. So hey, I, wonder if that's where, I wonder if that's where the term Sham comes from because, you know, it's hard to tell because, you know, when the age range, I can't tell if that existed before or not. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Hmm. Oh, oh, you know what we didn't mention? More research, sir. Yeah, sorry. There's one more thing that I wanted to mention. Um, Big Red Chewing Gum. Yes. Named after Secretariat's real name, Big Red. Uh, The lyrics to the song are written to honor Secretariat. That's why it lasts a little longer, go longer with Big Red, that whole thing. That's 
the, all the lyrics are about Secretariat. So in case you were interested, I just I forgot that was like the one fact that I want. I have a lot more facts, but that's the only other one that I really want to mention. But Ryan, how do cool. you feel about this film? I, I will agree with your with your lovely wife and give it a four because I, I really enjoyed it from a craft perspective. I I really enjoyed Diane Lane's performance. I really enjoyed John Malkovich's performance. You mentioned the cinematography, talking about the scene with Eddie Sweat. The cinematography in this movie is really strong, just yeah. really amazing. Um, and coming off of, I went to a couple movies last week, um, including The Hunger Games, where the cinematography is really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, the cinematography in this is gorgeous. Um, you, you're right. You're right. The uh, the um, the horse racing scenes are um, taught. You know, there's scenes like you learn about in film class or you read about a lot in film. Those horse racing scenes are basically now considered the the way you do horse racing scenes. Yeah. Um, oh no! I, the way they shot action in this movie is phenomenal. Yeah, they used all real jockeys, um, and that's why, Cheryl, you had asked why the guy who played Ron Turcott was this was the only movie he ever did because he's just a, a race jockey. He's not really an actor. <laughs> so that, that was the reason why. They used all real horses, all of whom were related to Secretariat some way so that they would have at least that distinct coloring and stuff like that to some degree. Oh, nice. Yeah, Didn't so I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the, the two main horses in the movie, although there were five horses used to play Secretariat, were Trolley Boy who was actually chosen by Penny Chenery in a look-alike contest for Secretariat. Oh. Happens to be the great-great-grandson of the real-life Secretariat, or Grand Foal, or whatever you say. Um, right. And then, and then there's Longshot Max, who's a cousin of Secretariat. Uh, they share um, Secretariat's uh, sire and grandsire, so. There you go. Yeah, so it's, it's but yeah, interesting. I, I, yeah. I, I give it a four because, like, it just the the whole the story, the plot, everything. Like we said, it's definitely predictable. It's definitely something where you know what's going on going into the movie, but it's worth watching because of how it's done. Uh, and I think that the performances are are really good. The cinematography is great. The story's good. The, the score is quite good. I think it's just you know it's a well made film. It's not like you said. It's not revolutionary. It's not something you're gonna. You know, it's not something you're going to want to go back to over and over again, but it's something I think everyone should should definitely take a look at uh, and, and rent from Redbox or wherever you get your movies from. So we want to hear from you. We want to we want to know what you thought. First of all, we want to know. We did a, we did a Star Wars weekend show a few weeks ago. It's a little bit of a different format for us. Let us know if you liked it. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com Disney Film Project, or tweet us at Diz Film Project or. You know, just get in touch with us, leave a comment on that episode on the page, and let us know what you thought of it, okay? The other thing, we're going to have another Listener's Choice episode coming up real soon. Uh, it's going to be in November, but we want to take suggestions. So those same outlets I told you, Facebook, Twitter, or go on the webpage and let us know uh, movies you'd like to hear us cover. So we'll have a Listener's Choice episode, and once we get enough suggestions, we'll, we'll come up with a poll and let everybody come and vote and figure out which movies you want to you hit, all right? All right, so thanks again to our sponsor, touringplans.com, and until next week, see you later, folks. He's slower than a fat man encased in concrete being drugged backwards. It's not whether they think we won, it's whether we think we won. I will not live the rest of my life in regret. <laughs>